Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this next installment of Paul Pod for Curtain Call 2. It's a limited series, and we are here for a short time interviewing important people in the career of Eminem, especially as it relates to songs and happenings surrounding Curtain Call 2. Today with us, we have a very special guest, a world-famous rapper, friend of Marshall's, as well as myself, ladies and gentlemen, Royce the 5'9 is in the building. Yo, yo, yo. Royce, how are you, my friend? I'm fantastic, man. How you doing? First of all, thank you for having me, man. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of something so massive. So illustrious. So great. Yes. Yes. So shiny. It's so shiny. It is. It's quite shiny (laughs) and and quite, quite brilliant and you know, it's it's hard to imagine doing something like this without you, frankly, um, for for a lot of reasons. But you know, in particular, there's uh, music on the the greatest hits compilation that you're a part of. So I guess you know, mostly we're going to frame this conversation around your relationship with Marshall. So it's not as much a you know story of Royce the Five Nine as it is a story of Royce the Five Nine and Eminem, aka Bad Meets Evil. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to go back in time a bit, and I'm sure you've sort of been thinking about this stuff leading up to this, as have I, but I'm going to go back to when Bad did meet Evil. And my, my recollection of it is that you guys met at a show that you were performing at with your group at the time. And it was at a place called the Palladium. Is that correct? That's correct. And it was in Sterling Heights off Gratiot, something like some, that. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, Roseville maybe, something something yeah, nearby Roseville. there. Yeah, okay. Roseville, yeah, yeah. And so you guys were in a group called Black Wall Street. Just right? Wall Street. Just Wall Street. Just Wall Street. Okay, yep. you were in Wall Street. And you were opening up for Usher. Usher, a young Usher. A yep. very young Usher Raymond, <laughs> which is a rare, which is a weird sort of combination to, to, to put you guys being this like raw rap group opening up for a smooth R&B guy like Usher, who we all know and love, but mm-hmm. a little odd nonetheless. So rather than hear me tell it, tell me what you remember from, from the, ma- the, the meeting and, and the sort of convergence of bad meets evil on that day. It was fuzzy. It was, it's fuzzy. I know that it was set up. It was set up by the owner, the owner of the club. And that's how we ended up on the stage somehow. I can't remember exactly how that happened, but I know it was through the owner. The so owner, owner of the club was, book, booked you guys to open up yeah. for Usher. That's right. why you got such a weird array of different kinds of artists on the stage that night. That's how you got that weird card. So my son was being born that night. My son was being born that night. So I almost canceled the show. Right. But we signed the contract, so I I had to be in and out. 
Right. So I already knew who Marshall was. I didn't know he was going to be there. Just locally so, from being in the scene, you knew who he yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, right. because I had I had Infinite. I owned Infinite, and I owned the Slim Shady EP already. When I say own, I mean I bought the cassette. Right. So when I was when I got there, I seen that he was selling his local, the, the Slim Shady EP in a booth. He, he had a booth set up. I think you were there too, Paul. I was. Yeah, yeah. So both of you guys were there. I want to say I heard of you too. Yeah, I, right. I was I was sort of in the background at that point. I was still in law school and I, I was, you know, aiming to be a music lawyer at the time. And I had hooked up with with Marshall through proof. And okay. so he asked me to, to come by because he was going to be selling the tapes. And I think he had even mentioned that you guys were going to be there and he wanted to check him out. And I just came to sort of see what he was up to and, and check out the vibe. So continue. Okay, so I got on the stage, and uh, it's all girl. It's all young girls in the audience. So yeah, because it's, it's Usher. So yeah, duh. So the first thing I did was the first thing I did was take my shirt off. Oh my god, that's the first thing I did because you did. I had no, you didn't. You did. I had ab- I had abdominal muscles by default. Right, because you were so young that they were just there. <laughs> exactly. I never had so. that problem, but go ahead. <laughs> so I did. I said a line on stage when I did my acapella. I said, I'm iller than standing in front of a gorilla holding a banana. Okay. And at that time, believe it or not, that was ill. I mean, it's it's a good it's a good sort of metaphor. I like it. For way back then. For way yeah. back then. It's terrible now, but back then. We're talking like just just for frame of reference, what year are we talking? Is this ninety seven? Ninety seven. Yeah, okay. That's what I thought. Because the Slim Shady EP was out, it was ninety seven, <laughs> right. Bro, so when I got off the stage, all I heard was, yo, did, did you say standing in front of a gorilla holding a banana? And I was like, yeah. So now it's Marshall that I'm talking to. Right. He's like, yo, that was ill. So, you know, we just sat there and just kind of kicked it for a second. And I had to get out of there because I had to hurry up and get to the hospital because my, my wife was going into labor. So hold, we ex- hold on for a second, because this is it's important to to sort of place some emphasis on this. The chances that you are meeting Marshall for the first time on the same day as your son is being born. That's fucking mind blowing. It is. It's and really my, my, my grandmother passed that day too. my grandmother passed in a car accident. Yep. I met Marshall. My son was being born all, all within 24 hours. Took- all in the same hospital, you know. And you wrote about you wrote about that. What was the song? The, the the song that you that you went in depth and explained it all. That was called Tabernacle. Right. Okay. And that was on Book of Ryan. That was on Layers. Layers. Okay. Layers. The right. Album right before Book of Ryan. Yep. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. So we just kicked it. We kicked it for a minute. I hurried up and left and went to the hospital. And then I remember me and him just being on the phone a lot after that. So you guys, like every day, you guys exchange numbers with plans of like talking more about rap. Yeah. And then doing some, doing some music, you know, young rappers, young artists, period. When young artists, you know, when we talk to each other, it's always like, oh, we need to get together and work. We need to get together and do something. Sure. So it wasn't, it wasn't even two weeks until we were in the studio with each other. Okay. So yeah. you guys meet, you do the show. How many songs did you guys perform, do you think? Best we guess. Probably did. We probably did 15 minutes. 15 probably minutes. Did. And how many guys were, were in the group with you at the time? Three or four Trent, other guys? Oh, X. It was five of us. Five total. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely remember being there. I remember seeing you guys. I don't really remember the performance all that much, but that's probably just because of time. 
And I remember you you guys may have been wearing like matching or similar outfits or jackets or something. Is that correct? I think we had we had bulletproof vests on. Okay. Well, that would certainly be a matching, <laughs> a part of a matching ensemble. I remember something along those lines. So, so you guys met two weeks later, later, you're in the studio after talking to each other a bit. You, I remember Marshall telling me that he had heard of you and heard that you were a, a, an excellent, a, an excellent lyricist and told me about you. I don't think that at the time there was a lot of local music circulating from you guys yet. Yeah, um, yeah, we we were just getting started. Right. So so you guys go in the studio and where were you at and, and what did you work on? We were at Nation Studios on Greenfield. My man IV, his studio now is Mix Mix Factory One, like a lot of kids use his studio now. But back then, a lot of the local hip hoppers, like on the hip hop side, like the backpackers use use his studio. And it was at Greenfield Plaza. Right. So that's I in remember, Southfield for those that know. Yeah, it was, yep, Southfield. So he, I remember him showing up and we were all in there just excited that he was coming. And when he got there, now mind you, I'm used to being the guy in the studio who, who outraps everybody, mm-hmm. outworks everybody, outraps everybody. So he comes in, we're rapping to a Dr. Seuss beat and we're using ADATs. Sure. So he came in, he had, he had the hook, his verse, and he had everything kind of organized in his mind in terms of how he wanted to do it. So this is what happens when bad meets evil. So he was like, Royce, I just want you to come in and do the same thing. This is what happens when bad meets evil, but you're going to do your rendition of this same sort of structure. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So we did that. That was the first time that people were like pulling me off to the side and going, yo, I think, I think he might've got you. I think he might've got, I think he might've, I think he might've got you on that one. You know what I'm saying? Like it was just he was just he was just ill. He just showed up, real sort of like dark. Like, yo, what's up? What's up? I'm Eminem. What's up? What's up? I'm Eminem. Came in, shook everybody's hand. He was like quiet. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, he's going into a place. You know, it, he's he's going into your world, right? Yeah. Your studio and your guys are there, which you know it it takes a certain level of 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 confidence and, and guts to do that right and somebody you don't know very well so he's he's entering your world and you know but he comes he comes equipped right with a by, song he comes and by himself by himself right with a fully loaded notebook you know a fully and loaded notebook that takes that takes some balls right so so he walks up in there and what was the song though was it the was it this the original version of the song bad meets evil it was the original version of the song over a Dr. Seuss beat. So by the time we, I'm sure you tell the story sometime, but by, by the time we did the version for the album, the beat got totally redone. Right. But it was, it was pretty much the same lyrics. There were, there were a couple changes to some of his lines on his verses, but my, my verses were exactly, exactly how you hear them on the album. Right. So the song Bad Meets Evil appears on the Slim Shady LP. Mm-hmm. And what, what happened to that demo version? Do you, does anybody have a copy of that? I think it's on YouTube. Really? I think it's on YouTube. Yeah. Okay. The original, the original version. So you guys do the demo version of Bad Meets Evil. Some time passes. Obviously, 
a lot happens between the time that you guys record that song and the song appears on the LP, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Marshall gets signed to Dr. Dre into Aftermath. He's out in L.A. And when you recorded the new version of Bad Meets Evil, did you do that from home or did you come out to L.A.? I think you came out to L.A. Yeah, I went out to L.A. Okay. And so you, you were with him in the Oakwoods, right? Yes, I was. Oh, in another in another component, Paul. Before you go too far. Yep. On the original, the original of Bad Meets Evil. At the very beginning, you'll hear him say, "Hi, my name is, my name is, Slim Shady." Like at the very beginning of it, when he's talking at the beginning. So this is before he ever even recorded. Hi, my name is. Yes. So he. This, had, this is before. This is before he signed with Dre. Right. So he had that thought mm-hmm. in his head already. Interesting. I think I remember that. Uh, Hopefully that's on the demo version that's on YouTube, which for some reason I didn't know about. But anyway, you guys are in L.A. You're staying at the Oakwoods, which is like, you know, a sort of real standard base level furnished apartment complex. Yeah, that's where all of the artists were, though. Yeah, where all the record companies would put their artists. So The whole Wu-Tang Clan was out there. Right. And so you made some, some connections there while you're out there, right? Mm-hmm. And you're recording with Marshall, you're staying with Marshall, <laughs> the song goes on the album, and obviously we all know what happens, right? Marshall uh-huh. becomes very, very famous, and you are at the same time recording stuff for you, and we are all in the process of sort of growing our careers and our lives, and you end up getting signed uh, first to Tommy Boy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And but prior to that, you guys record an independent project as Bad Meets Evil. But so yeah, so be- before single. we got before we got to that, yeah, I was staying out in New York with my friend Rick, and we were recording and taking taking meetings with labels, right? And I took a meeting with with Herbie Lovebug. The legendary producer Herbie Lovebug from from Salt and Pepper, et cetera. Yes, yes. So I was I was about to do a deal with him, and I remember getting on the phone with Marshall, and he saying, "Yo, I got a deal with Dr. Dre," and I was like, "Damn, that's crazy! I'm about to sign a deal with Herbie Lovebug." Mm-hmm. He was like, "What? You about to do what?" I was like, "I'm about to sign a deal with Herbie Lovebug." He was like, "Listen, man, no disrespect to Herbie Lovebug, he's a legend, but you're not signing." A deal with Herbie Lovebug. So he told you to not do the deal. Yes. And I I ended up mailing my demo out to him on a Max L tape. So he didn't tell me why. Next thing you know, I'm I'm in Michigan at my mom's house and I'm sitting in the room. And then my father comes in the room and says, Ryan, somebody named Dr. Dre is on the phone for you. I turn around like what? Literally. I grabbed the phone. Literally. So I grabbed the phone. I'm like, hello? Yo, what's up? It's Dre. And I knew it was him. Yeah. Like I, like his voice resonated with it's hard. It's hard to imitate that voice, although you just did a really good job of it. <laughs> Dog, I was like, I was like, yo, what's up? He was like, yo, M played your, your shit for me. I'm feeling your shit. You know, would you would you be interested in coming out and, and rocking with us? We working on, on my album. It's like, would I? And that's how I ended up in Cali that next time. And I think when I went out there and we started working on the chronic, that's when me and Marshall really got 
super tight because he was out there kind of like by himself. Yeah. And then we, it was just me and him. And that's I think that's really how I ended up being on stage with him and doing the hype man thing with him for a period of time. Right. Because you were because you were there and I was needed, there and he, he just started somebody. getting shows. Yeah. yeah. He started getting shows. So we just started doing that. Once we started traveling together, it was like that's when we decided to start making more music together, kind of like as a group. Right. So he knew he knew your music well. Uh, mm-hmm. And you knew his music well, so it, it it only you know naturally follows from that that you know maybe you can help him out. And at the time, um, it seemed like you know because obviously I'm not going to pretend like I wasn't involved in it. I was there, right? So it mm-hmm. it, it was the right thing to do. It, you, you know, you guys were in the right place together at the right time. So you're in you're in LA. You're working for stuff on on Dre's record, and you started writing as did Marshall for Dre uh, at, at the same time. Correct? Yes. You and you ended up with with a record, I think, on the project, right? Yeah, the message with Mary J. Blige. Right. So, so you wrote you wrote all of Dre's lyrics for the message, correct? Yes. All right. So, then you you end up going to back to New York, and you end up getting a deal with Tommy Boy. And I remember mm-hmm. being at the meeting when you signed the deal, right? But mm-hmm. but wait before before we get to that, let's let's talk about the independent project, right? So there there was an independent project through a label called Game Recordings through a guy that we're both mm-hmm. friends with, John Schechter, and it was his label, and he w- he had the smart idea of saying, "Hey, you guys did this song on the Slim Shady LP. Why don't we do another single with you guys together? Call it Bad Meets Evil, right?" And I think that was the first time you guys were officially. In a, in, it made that a, the group name, Bad Meets yeah. Evil, right? Because before mm-hmm. it was just the song title. And so you guys did two songs on game, scary movies and nothing to do. Mm-hmm. So tell me about what you remember of that process. I remember it being a cool way that, that, that Schechter did the vinyl. He put like beautiful women on the, on the cover, beautiful half naked women. Right. That was his on, thing. On every single cover. Yep. You know, so as a DJ, I remember Preem telling me this, like, yo, that vinyl caught my attention because as a DJ, when I walk into a record store and I see beautiful women on the cover, it, it just it catches my eye. He was like, so that was that was genius. But that was actually one of the things that I was kind of apprehensive about. Like, man, we got these girls on the cover. I don't know. I don't remember how Marshall felt about it, but I remember being super apprehensive about it. But we went with it. Right. And it did really well. You know what I mean? Like, it, it just created a super buzz on the underground. And this is before the internet. Sure. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? So I just remember going to like different radio stations and rapping, going to and doing certain shows and people just coming up to me like Royce. Oh, you're Royce. You're Royce. Or, you know, Marshall would be rhyming in the cypher or something. He'd be like, yo, y'all got to hear Royce. You know what I mean? And I remember stuff just taking off really fast. You know what I mean? And I remember that vinyl being like a, a big catalyst to that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it was for an independent independently distributed record it was extremely popular i remember you know them selling out of it everywhere and people just couldn't get enough of it the song scary movies produced by rob reef tulo and he, did he, he did you both, of both of them okay so he did yeah, not he did do also mm-hmm. so those those were sort of underground classic songs and this is this is i think 98 is that right yeah yeah 98 okay so that propelled everything forward 
you grew your your buzz and popularity through that record with Marshall. And you, I want to go back to something you just said, because this is important. You said DJ Premier mm-hmm. saw the record, heard the record, bought the record, whatever. I'm sure he was at Fat Beats, saw it on the wall or something like that. And is that when he first heard you? I know when... when- when I signed my deal with Tommy Boy and I wanted to work with Premier, like that was like one of the first things that I wanted to do. I think that was the first thing that we went for. Yo, I need a Premier beat. Right. Because everybody so, you know, needed a Premier beat because yeah. why, why the hell wouldn't you want a Premier beat? And you know, to work with Premier, like he decides rather he wants to work with you. Sure. He doesn't send you a beat pack. You get a beat. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so it was like, it was like, okay, Maybe I'll send him something, but I, I need to hear. It. I think he said I need to hear him first. Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Oh yeah, okay." So that's the guy from the vinyl with the with, with Eminem. Okay, yeah, I like him, and I, I think he went and listened to the Tony Touch Fifty MCs freestyle as well. Right. And then when he did that, it was like, "Okay, I'm in. We gonna work." But the but the vinyl was definitely the connection. You know what I mean? It was definitely it was definitely like the the equalizer. It was like, "Oh, oh okay, that's the guy from the vinyl." Okay, yeah, now he had a reference. The name. He had a yeah, reference yeah, point. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. So so you do your deal with Tommy Boy. One of the first guys you want to work with is Premier. And we all know what happened from that. You guys did Boom, yeah, which we is did. We did a, boom. a classic boom. record, if you don't mind me saying. So at that time, you go and focus on your career. Marshall's focused on his career. And you had to come off of the road from being his hype man because you had to focus on your stuff, understandably so. So we brought Proof out, obviously, and Marshall started going on the road more and you were focused on your stuff and you recorded your your debut and you sort of switched labels, right, from mm-hmm. from Tommy Boy to Sony. Columbia, absolutely. Yeah, to Columbia. So at some point later on down the road, you reconnect with Marshall, right? Mm-hmm. So you guys start talking and at the time, I think you were already in Slaughterhouse. Is that correct? Yeah, we reconnected once we started talking about doing a deal with Slaughterhouse. Right. Um, that's when we started really talking, talking. We had a couple of conversations prior to, mm-hmm. but it, they were just like, one of them was a really long conversation where we just kind of caught up. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we went like a, a long time without speaking again. Okay. I think it was just, I, I think he was still going through like recovery and stuff like that. And I was still trying to kind of figure some things out. So we didn't start really moving into rebuilding the relationship until after we did the deal with the slaughterhouse with you guys. Right. So, so you connect with him, I connect with you, everybody's, you know, sort of rebuilding their, their relationships and we do the deal with Slaughterhouse and you're back around a lot, start hanging out with, with Marshall just as, as friends again. And at some point the idea comes up for doing more Bad Meets Evil music, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. What can you remember about that? So what happened was I started going to the studio playing him a lot of ideas like bar exam ideas and stuff like that. And we just start, we just really reconnected musically. And then it was, I remember them sitting me down one day. I think Tracy and Marshall sitting me down one day and asking me, 
would I be interested in just just traveling, traveling with with them, with you guys? Right. And I was like, hell yeah, you know what I mean. So I I, I was officially a member of the travel party. So everywhere he went, I pretty much was with him. So we were together all the time. And, and that's when I think one day we were on the plane and you just, I remember you just walking to the back of the plane and being like, why don't you guys just do everything that you always wanted to do musically in terms of bad music evil. And I think it was at a time where we were waiting on some other stuff to close other okay. deal stuff to close. Cause it, it took, it took a minute to be able to do the slaughterhouse deal. It was just a lot of moving parts. There were a lot of things going on. So I remember us just kind of waiting. Mm-hmm. waiting on that to close. And then in the meantime, we were together every day all the time. So it just made perfect sense. So we just kind of went in there and knocked it out. And it started with a song called I'm on everything that I asked him to be on that Mr. Porter produced. And when he rapped on that, it was like, we had another idea, then another idea, then yeah. another idea. And I think you didn't, that's when you finally were like, why don't y'all just, you know what I mean? Like, why don't y'all make just, a make, project. just make sense? Yeah, yeah. make this make sense. I remember it was this, this is the, so the Bad Meets Evil project came out in, the EP came out in 2011. So this was probably either beginning of 2011 or end of 2010. I remember okay. you guys reconnected musically and it, it, it started happening very quickly. Like you guys started recording and songs just started pouring out of the studio. And I remember just like, you know, listening to them and just the the level of lyricism that that was on these records was just dazzling. And I was floored by your your guys' ability to go back and forth like that. And it just seemed like a natural thing to do. And and Marshall was in between projects. And like you said, we were waiting, waiting for the Slaughterhouse deal to finish up. So Yes, I definitely proposed this idea. So we we put together this project. Like you said, it, it came together and started with the, the Mr. Porter record. And at some point along the way, you guys do a song called Lighters also. Mm-hmm. So so Fast Lane and Lighters were the two singles from the project. Lighters was it was I think you you I know you brought the track in. Was it originally mm-hmm. for your project or did you bring it in for Bad Meets Evil or was it just for whatever? Yeah, it was it was originally for my project. But um when I presented it to Marshall, I was just like, yo, man, if we can get somebody like Bruno Mars, because there was a an original reference hook on it. Right. And I was who, like, if who, we can get somebody like who wrote that? Or was on I can't, that? Even, I can't even remember. It was the it was the guy who did the original beat. Battle Roy. Battle Roy. Yeah. Damn, I'm I'm glad you I'm glad you remember that. Yeah. Shout out to Battle Roy. So Battle Roy, he, he did the original, I think he wrote the original reference. Okay. And, and he um, and he performed it on the demo version too? The producer? Or maybe it was somebody else. I can't I can't remember who it was singing the reference. Okay. I'm, I'm almost sure that he brought in a singer to sing the reference. And it was a, it was an idea, it was a good idea. So it was by idea to get Bruno Mm-hmm. And Marshall agreed because we both love him. And when we presented it to you, you were like, "All right, well, shit, I'll put you guys in the same room with each other. We'll see what happens." Yep. So we ended up meeting up with those guys out in Cali. I think we were staying at the same hotel or something like that. Bruno got it. He was like, "I love the idea. I think it needs to be tweaked a little bit." Right. And shit, when you say tweak, boy, did he ever? Yeah, it was, you know it was more like, than a little bit. Yeah, man. It was like, it was like he went in and just put his genius on it. And then I just remember him and Marshall just kind of like doing their tweaks back and forth, sending ideas back and forth. And they just took it. They took the, they took the whole song to a whole nother level. You know what I mean? So it was an interesting process to watch to say the least. Yeah. And, and so the, the production 
team that Bruno had called the Smeezingtons was he was a part of that team, right? It was him and I think one or two other guys. And they definitely enhanced the the original Battle Roy record um, mm-hmm. quite a bit. And he got on that record and, you know, it was it was a hit. It, it reached number four on the Billboard Hot 100. The album, you know, obviously Platinum, the EP Platinum, I mean. And Fastlane did very well also mm-hmm. and performed well, particularly on East Coast and radio and was you know, a a regional hit and you guys just had enjoyed a lot of success from that project. So, you know, that, that was, you know, an incredible culmination of a very long process. One thing I think we we forgot to talk about is when, when you were on Sony, you released a song called Rock City Mm -hmm. and Marshall was on that record. Yeah. So, What what do you what do you remember about that? Because I remember we shot the video, and I remember the song came out, and I, I remember all of that stuff. But what what what's your recollection of what that process was like? Mm, can I talk about Renegade? Oh yeah, for sure. Okay, okay, okay. So we we were going. So it, a part of the deal, I believe Interscope was only going to clear Marshall for for one song, but we went in and yeah, we did they two. weren't trying to clear him for anything back then. It was, it was <laughs> yeah. you know, when yeah, Jimmy, so. Jimmy saying, Jimmy Ivey saying back then was, you know, you keep doing the magic trick. You're going to shake all the magic out of the wand. Quit shaking the wand around every place else. We need it for ourselves. Yeah, that Wand sense. only has so much magic. So. <laughs> yeah. So we did, we, we did, we did rock city. Actually I had rock city. I remember planning for Marshall and I, I had like a reference on there where I'm going rock city. Chicka, 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 come on. You know what I'm saying? Like just doing like a reference. And I think me, you and him were at the Hamptons one time. And yeah. out out Yes. We, 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 yeah, we were the sitting in the, car. In the Hamptons. Yeah. And you guys came out one time. I remember that. Bro, we, we you were had a show. I think Marshall had a show out there. Yeah. Yeah. Joe yeah, yeah. had a bag and Marshall came out to the Hamptons for the bag. Yeah. Yeah. So we were sitting in the car and I just remember you going, come on and rock with me. I wrote it. <laughs> I never got credit either. I wrote it. Oh, man. There's you sure proof. Did. You sure did, bro. I you wasn't even going to bring it up. <laughs> I wasn't even going to bring it up. You sure did, bro. You sure did. I was like, that's fire. <laughs> Marshall was like, what? I'm going I'm to say that. And he went in there and did it. And that's how the hook came about. It's incredible. And yeah, that, that's yeah. a true story. We were sitting, I think we were just sitting in my, my suburban and listening to the record. And I, I don't know what came over me. I got possessed. Because <laughs> I, I didn't, it wasn't like I did that all the time. Like, I, it wasn't my thing. But I, the, I just, inner, the inner writer just came out of It you. just came out of me, man. It just mm-hmm. came out of me. So, hey, listen, it's, it's, it's part of history as, as recorded <laughs> here on the Paul Pod. So then you, you did the video. And so that's what he ended up getting cleared for. But... How does Renegades figure into it? Well, we did Renegade. We did Rock City and Renegade. I actually chose Rock City because we felt like it could be more of a single. Right. And, and honestly, Renegade, Renegade was so similar to things that we've done already. So I think we were just looking for something else. Right. Stylistically, me and Marshall, we just approach how we attack the beat the same. Mm-hmm. So when we took my vocals off and he sent it to Jay because... I believe Jay asked him to be on the blueprint and he didn't want to. I remember him calling me and saying, listen, Hove just called me. Like I've been running around super busy. I think I, I wasn't able to do the last thing that he asked me to do. Yo, this is Hove. Like, yeah, you cool with me sending him renegade. I was like, what? Like, 
thank you for even asking me because it's not even my decision. It's no longer even my record. You know what I mean? Like, you didn't even have to ask me that. Right. So I thought that was real of him just to even ask me that. So he sent it to Hove. And when Hove laid his vocals, it just took on a whole different form. I think he act, he added like a different color to it because he kind of laid back on the beat. Mm-hmm. He kind of sat back in the pocket as opposed to attacking, attacking it yeah, the, yeah. the way that me and Marshall does. And it, it, they made it a classic. You know what I mean? So I was happy just to be associated or attached to just the lineage of the record itself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I remember that. It, Marshall was in a, he was in a bit of a pickle because... Like you said, he was on the road. He didn't have time. Jay was, I think, running out of time to put the project together. When he asked Marshall to be on the project or to to produce something for the project, I think was the initial request, Marshall said, of course. And an early version of the advertisements for the album, I don't know if you remember this, but there was like a, a stack of like CDs or tapes that said the producer names that were working mm-hmm. on the record. You remember that? So he put, really. he put M on there. Right. As, oh, okay. as a part of the list of the people that were producing on the album. And so that sort of locked him in. Right. Mm. And he hadn't he hadn't done the record yet. So he was obligated. And, you know, when, when the one thing about Marshall that, you know, and that I know very well is it's really hard to get him to agree to do something. Mm-hmm. But when he agrees to do it, he's, he's going to do he's it. doing it. Mm-hmm. Period. No, he does not no back question. out of anything. Right. No question. No question. Yeah. So so he agreed to do it. And he's like, you know, I can't let the guy down, but I don't have anything. And, I, you know, we've got this record and I don't know if Royce is going to use it because we got Rock City. So, you know, can I could I give that record to Jay? And I was like, just talk to Royce about it. I'm sure he, he'll be cool with it if, you know, just but but you should ask him. So mm-hmm. that's that's how that came about. So the demo version of that is definitely floating around definitely. Um, with you, you and you and M on it. Do you remember when me and Marshall were at Studio A? And he got the real, he got the real to, to Jay's vocals and the male to mix it. Vaguely. Okay, what? so something something happened with the real. When we pressed play on the real, it, it was playing a little bit slower. Okay. But just slightly, but just slightly. So So did he sound like he was off? He he was just a little bit offbeat. Okay. So it was so subtle that Marshall couldn't really tell if he meant for it to be like that. Or if it was a mistake, or if something was wrong, and right. he was he was he was scared to call Jay and ask him. <laughs> <laughs> so, so somebody obviously at some point called over and were like, "Hey, about this tape." So <laughs> they figured that something was off, and they obviously fixed it. Yeah, I remember him being on the phone with him and Jay being like, "Yo, you probably was like, yo, what's up with homie?" <laughs> <laughs> and it was like such a relief, you know what I mean? Because it wasn't so off where it was like unbearable, but it was just a little bit off. And we weren't used to hearing anything Jay-Z that was off. Yeah. It was all perfect. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it was just like, it, it was, it was an interesting moment, but it was funny. It was super, it was super funny. Like the way that it just, ended, you know, it all kind of came together. That they is... fixed it. They fixed it real quick and the shit ended up becoming the classic. You know what I'm saying? Yep. It is. It's definitely a classic and, and a classic story about how it came about. So the the EP for Bad Meets Evil comes out. You guys, you start going on the road with Marshall. He's doing a bunch of festivals. He's doing a bunch of headline shows. During every set, 
you'd come out and you'd do a Bad Meets Evil performance. And it would be, you know, somewhat in the middle of the set. I really remember one that stands out in particular was at Lollapalooza. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think that that probably was around, geez, I would say if, if the album came out in 2011, it might've been that year, right? If not 2012 at the latest, right? So you guys were going to perform and you had Bruno come and perform with you because he was headlining Lollapalooza that weekend as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So he came out and performed lighters and it was just, just epic. And and yeah. I have another anecdotal story to add to that. But what what are your sort of best memories of of that scenario? I remember sitting in the trailer with him, and him just. I remember him thanking me for for bringing the song to the table, and I was like, "Thank me, thank you for getting on the song." You know what I'm saying? Like allowing me to be a part of history like this. It was my first time being on stage with somebody of his magnitude outside of Marshall. You know what I mean? So. I remember him being up there with his guitar and him just popping up like the crowd, not expecting it and the spotlight going on him and the crowd going crazy. Yep. I remember it being a crazy, super crazy moment. Yeah. Super crazy moment. It was massive. I mean, one of the, one of the biggest weekends of that festival, which is just a huge, you know, hundred thousand person in attendance. Yeah, I was going to say, how many people was that? Like a yeah. hundred thousand, huh? I, I have wow. pictures from, from that night at Grant Park in, in Chicago of the crowd that was there to see you guys. And it is astonishing. I mean, it, it yeah. literally doesn't look real. That's how many people were there. Yeah. It's nuts. I think, I think, the, I think the first time, the first time that I performed with you guys, I wasn't used to doing, you know, like the big, super huge show. So for whatever reason, looking out at the crowd and having the mic up to my mouth, it makes me feel like that I need to scream in order to project. I need to project so everybody in the back can hear me. And I remember you coming up to me after the show and being like, you don't have to scream. Like we can hear you just fine. Like the the, the production is beautiful. That's why that's, just rap it like you rap it on the record. We can hear you just fine. And when you scream, like your voice cracks. And I was like, really? Okay. Yeah. And I remember just after that, just just rapping it like the record. And it, it was way smoother. Yeah. But it was uh, my first time getting used to the in-ears and you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. I mean, and you feel like you have to match the energy of the of the crowd and the music, right? So Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. you're like, your natural instinct is to just, you know, overextend your voice and get louder. But, mm-hmm. but that's the whole purpose of being on a microphone and it's amplified. And if the engineer's doing their job, they're just going to push it up to match the music anyway. So, yeah, well, that was good advice. I'm glad I gave it. So, so one of the things I remember from that show also is, you remember Marshall's stunt? Stunt. Yeah. So show with Bruno? With Bruno? Well, it, was, it wasn't with Bruno, but, but he had this, this stunt where... He remember he had that vest. And I do remember. So, I do remember a vest. So he so he had he had a vest that had motorized sort of water spouts that were supposed to come out of it. Remember yeah. that? Mm-hmm. And I don't remember what the premise was or how it was set up, but he was supposed to be drinking water and like a cartoon with like, you know, Bugs Bunny had bullet holes in him from Elmer yeah. Fudd the water okay. would come out of the holes that he was shot through, right? I remember that, yeah. So that's <laughs> that's what he wanted to do on stage. So we got this, like, elaborate vest that was, like, produced by the special effects company. And 
we set it up. I, and, and again, I don't remember the premise, but he, he'll, I'm sure he'll remind me because he, he was, <laughs> he didn't love how it went over, but <laughs> he does the thing. He gets the water and he drinks the water and the spouts work and they come out. But like, you got to remember there's a hundred thousand people there. And a lot of people mm-hmm. are pretty far back. And yes, there's LED screens and projections and stuff, but you're still like a little itty bitty speck for people who are far away. So they mm-hmm. didn't really see the water gun spouts coming out of the vest right. through the clothes. Right. So mm-hmm. the whole prank just sort of miserably failed. Was it supposed to go through the shirt? It did go through the shirt. It worked, mm. but it wasn't okay. it wasn't visible enough. These are like water streams from a stage. Right. Like things right, on right. stage are supposed to be big and loud and and very visible and easy to see. Okay. This was not. So the stunt didn't really go over and he had spent all this time and all this money rehearsing it and afterwards he was like, "Well, that fucking failed." <laughs> <laughs> so so that's another thing I remember from that show. And it was it was funny. And, and I'm sure someone's gonna pull it up online now. But that was that was the same show. So I, re- I remember a lot of a lot of moments of him doing a lot of great shit and being super critical of himself. Yeah, well definitely. I mean, that's that's what you great artists are. I mean, you you're your own worst critics. And, you know, sometimes you guys beat yourselves up for no reason. He he definitely is one of those. So after the Bad Meets Evil EP comes out and you you guys go and do do some shows together, you're doing Slaughterhouse as well. You're focused on your solo stuff at the same time. You start working on Prime, right? Mm-hmm. You start yep. working on Prime too. There's a Slaughterhouse album that you guys record and put out. There's another Slaughterhouse album that you guys record. And then there's a couple more solo projects from you, mm-hmm. the two Prime records. And... Other than other than that, you know, when, when you guys come together and record songs together, I consider it to be Bad Meets Evil, whether it's billed as that or not, right? Yeah, so, of course. So there was a song called Vegas from the Shady 15 project you guys did. There's two songs on the Southpaw soundtrack as Bad Meets Evil, All I Think About and Raw. And mm-hmm. then in 2018, two more songs come out. One of them is Caterpillar from the Book of Ryan. Mm-hmm. And the other one is Not Alike from Kamikaze. Yeah. So I remember Caterpillar very well. You guys shot a video and everything. What was your what was your vision for that record? <clears throat> I remember I just I wanted him to be on something because the Book of Ryan is my it's my self-defining album. Right. So I, I wanted that to be the album in my catalog that I I'm not supposed to be able to top. So of course I gotta have my brother on that one. So Caterpillar just kind of it, it just spoke to me in that way. Like you should you should put Marshall on this. But I also remember <clears throat> just in case he didn't have time to do it, I also sent it to Logic. So Logic ended up doing his verse before Marshall. And I remember when I when I brought it to Marshall for him to listen to it, he was like, Logic's verses on there already? I was like, Yeah. So when I played it for him, I just remember him going, Okay, all right. <laughs> And then when he went home, he didn't tell me he was doing it. And then he ended up, he ended up killing it. So I think, I think he just has this thing where he just wants to outdo everybody. You know what I mean? And I think that was just like something to kind of like put a battery in his back, lit the fire under him. Cause logic killed it too. I still use that version. I still use you that use version, both. but it was more of a B version than the A version. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so Marshall went and did it and Booker Ryan, 
is is very is your is is a very introspective record. And when you say that that was the one who's supposed to be your your you know your your opus, and mm-hmm. and you don't think that you're supposed supposed to be able to top it, do you still feel that way? Yeah, so that's, that's the that one. Way. That's the one. Okay, that's the one for me. I mean, because it it tells my story. It's the it's the one where you listen to and you feel like you know me after listening to the album. Right. You know, after that, I did Allegory, which was more of, it was like a whole lot of my thoughts compiled, but it was also a whole lot of things that were being said and the thoughts of many people kind of being placed in front of you for you to kind of pay attention to. It's kind of like putting a mirror in front of the world. Like, okay, this is what you, this is what we've come to. You know what I mean? So it wasn't so much about, it wasn't as much about me as Book Orion was. Got it. So there was not a like from Kamikaze, and Kamikaze obviously was the first of a couple of secret projects that Marshall was working on. What do you remember? Did did he come to you and say, hey, I've got this project that I'm working on, I'm going to drop a surprise album, or was it not that far developed, or how did that song come about, and, and where did it start? It was just another day at the office. He called me and said, I got this joint, I'm going to send you. I need you to kill it. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm kind of already trained to know that anything that we do is a secret. You know what I mean? So I knew it was probably tied to a project. I just didn't know exactly what the project was going to be yet at that time. But I remember thinking to myself, like, why is he, why is he working already again? Cause he had already, he had just put out revival, you know yeah. what I mean? And I'm, I'm used to him taking breaks in between albums. Yeah. Taking his time and, and the projects yeah. usually take a while. Yeah, so I remember him sending me the beat. I was in here in the studio, and I laid my verse, and I sent it to him. He hit me back like, yo, you killed it. And I remember the first time I heard the final version, the beat changing and all of that stuff, and I was just like, this dude, is a he's a fucking mad scientist, bro. Yeah. A mad scientist. And I was like, man, that that's a that's a body on a whole nother level. He caught a body on a whole nother level. I don't even know if what I said inspired it or if he already had it. Like, I, I don't even know. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing the thing about the, that project is, you know, he, he obviously wasn't happy with the way that Revival was received. So he didn't want to leave that taste in people's mouths, right? Right. So he, he said, I'm immediately going back and I got I to gotta change course, right? Because right. this, this is not the way that things are supposed to be and I'm not supposed to be feeling this way. So that was the purpose of Kamikaze and, and you know, I think it, it, it definitely did the trick. So just going back to to one thing cuz I think that this is this is important to talk about is you know one of the first or the first headline show that Marshall had in New York City was at a club that at the time doesn't exist anymore but it was called Tramps. Hmm. You remember that? I remember, I remember the Tramp show, yes. So we had some of the recordings and video that we released from from that night, I and mean, we put on the 25th anniversary of the Eminem show. We we included some of the songs and the live recordings on that, and that was an epic show. Mm-hmm. And it was it was at the time, you guys as part of the show would freestyle, mm-hmm. right, and 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 just do verses over you know 
in popular instrumentals, etc. I remember that was like the the sort of precipice of everything going crazy, right? And mm-hmm. his first headline show in New York, MTV News came to to sort of cover it, which was like you know a big deal for us at the time. Mm-hmm. And you were still still doing your your hype man duty with with Marshall at the, at the live shows. Do you remember thinking of that night as like a big deal or or what what sticks out in your memory about it? The only thing I really remember about that show is somebody from MTV coming into the dressing room mm-hmm. and uh, you you introducing him to him to Marshall and him saying, Yo, you you're gonna get tired of seeing your video on MTV. You remember that? He told Marshall that. He told Marshall that. Right. And he was talking about my name is. Yeah, and we didn't really know what that meant. We <laughs> but, didn't think nothing of it. But we found out. We found out. <laughs> we we found it. That's what I really remember. That's what stuck out to me. It was just like, damn, I wonder who that guy was. Right. Whoever yeah. he was, I think he was kind of like a big deal. Yeah, I, I think, I feel like it was either either maybe somebody like Ocean McAdams from MTV News or or... I don't know if it was Dave Cyrulnik, but it, it was definitely somebody who was in in a position to have that sort of knowledge that they were about to go crazy on yeah. on the programming. And boy, did they! Did they ever? So that that yeah. sort of changed everything. And then the everything old, in the world, yeah, everything in the world, <laughs> everything in the world, in the including, world, including our world specifically. And then the other thing with MTV is Spring Break, mm-hmm. right? So. <laughs> You, we, we did Spring Break MTV with Eminem a couple times. I think one time was with you and one time was with Proof, right? Yeah, I was Cancun. I, I did Cancun. Right. So tell me what you remember about that. That was our first time meeting Buster around. First time you guys met Buster mm-hmm. was in Cancun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I remember it being a big deal to both of us. We were just like, man, this is fucking Buster around. You right. know what I'm saying? And he, he showed us so much love. It was just like crazy. And then... Flying, this is when Marshall was still flying commercial, obviously. We walking through the airport, seeing Buster Rhymes, seeing people stop him yeah. to take pictures and all of that. It was just it was just surreal. And we we would go to like the after parties at the clubs. He would be in there, him and Spliff Star. Yep. Spliff Star was like super cool. I remember us meeting Tyrese out there. We met like a whole, we met like a, it was like, that was like one of the biggest things to us back then, just meeting so many people. Meeting so many people and, and us realizing, damn, we're on, we're on the other side of the, television screen now yeah. <laughs> you know what i'm saying like yeah we used to think everybody we seen on tv was rich you know what i mean so it was just like wow we wanted we on tv now we like around and we were on mtv round the clock that mtv that cancun performance that spring break performance yeah they played it round the clock and yeah and that was i think shortly after hi my name is and you guys were out there you know by that spring right after that mm-hmm. that show because that that show at tramps i believe was in january and you guys mm-hmm. were out there in spring break by April or whenever it was. It was moving fast, bro. Oh, yes, it was. <laughs> it was moving fast. It was moving fast, and we had to hang on as tight as we could. Some of us, you know, were able to <laughs> hang on, and some of us were not. Mm-hmm. That's life, man. That's life. It, it works like that. Yep. And so that's how we come full circle to to today and, and us being here. And so, you know, Curtain Call 2 is all of the songs that are all of the greatest, most memorable, and, and most important songs since the release of Encore. 
right? Because mm. all of those, the, the first part of, of Marshall's career, we put out on Curtain Call, The Hits, which was the first volume. So this is the second volume, and it includes all of the most important and hit records from Relapse Forward, including the side projects and everything. So that's why you're here today, and that's why we decided to to discuss matters with you because you can provide a perspective that very few can, as can I. And I think between the two of us, we can paint a picture of the way things happened that probably nobody else can. Yes, sir, man. Come on, man. Thank you for letting me be a part of it, man. Yeah. This is like, this is like epic shit. It really is. is It really is. And and, and I got to thank you for, you know, being able to remember what you have and sort of fill in some of the holes and, I think that we did a good fucking job. Hey, yeah, you better than this than I thought you would be, man. Like, just based off of the way that you spoke about it. You know what I mean? Like, thank you. Like, yeah, you know, we'll try to make, try, you know, it's, it's difficult to sit and talk to somebody that you're, like, really, really close with. And, you know what I'm saying? Like, It is, though. Like, it is, because here's here's what you, you have to realize. So, you, I've known you for 25 years, right? Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. when I'm talking to you, I got to ask you questions not as only if you that, don't know. as if I don't know the answer, right? <laughs> right? But not only that I don't know the answer, I was there. Yeah. So I got to take myself out of the equation, pretend I wasn't there, and pretend I don't know the answer. So it's weird. You're really good at keep moving it along, though. Thank you. You yeah, know what I mean? That, and stay, and stay, stay focused on the timeline because that's where I get, I get scatterbrained. Yeah, well, that, that comes from a little bit of preparation and, and a bunch of experience. You know, we've, we've been doing radio here at, at Sirius XM with Shade 45 for a long time. So I've had opportunities throughout the years to host various things. And I think that's where that comes from. But, you know, I, I probably always wanted to be a little bit of a radio star. My, my friends always tell me I have a face for radio. <laughs> So there you go. That's an old uh, joke. There you go. There you anyway, go. ladies and gentlemen, this is the Paul Pod for Curtain Call 2. Thank you once again to Royce the Five Nine for joining us and helping us sort of tell this story of the journey of, of Eminem up to this point as it relates to you guys and your relationship. And I got to say, you guys have created some of the most incredible you know, combination emceeing records that I've ever heard. And, and I can't wait to see what the future has in store. Thank you, my good brother. It's always an honor and a privilege to talk to you, man. Love and respect, always. Ladies and gentlemen, Royce the 5'9". Paul Pop. Yeah. See you next time.